Warning! This podcast is different from other podcasts. These episodes contain dangerous choices, perilous tangents, and unwavering silliness. The choices made on this podcast may lead to success or disaster. But remember, you are responsible because you choose to listen. Good luck. Podcast where three grown-ups try and beat a children's book. I'm Ian. I'm a neural network simulating Chris. <laughs> uh, I'm Mark. Today we are reading uh, Endless Quest, the dwarf one. I don't know that these are numbered. <laughs> with our meat eyes. We're reading it with our definitely human eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this book is called Into the Jungle. Yeah, so we're doing D&D again, baby. Yeah, written by the only person writing these books, Matthew Forbeck. If anybody knows Matt Forbeck, uh, have him give us an email. We'd love to talk, talk to him about Mike and Ids. <laughs> if we could get some guest spots in one of these books, that'd be great. I feel oh, like uh, oh, it would be, be solid, so cool. Solid W. It'd be such a weirdly legitimate thing to happen to our podcast, which is a completely illegitimate <laughs> podcast. I wonder if he'd be cool with it or if he'd be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? This, you're co- Every time you read these out loud, you're costing <laughs> me money. Yeah. You cost me money. You like you, you make fun of my work. Yeah. You just generally drag the whole D&D brand through the mud. You, you've mocked me on a personal level. And you've given me a lot of erotic nightmares about giant spiders. <laughs> <laughs> We're the bad news crew for, uh, for old Matt Forbeck over here, but... Uh, we're bringing the heat. Why does Matt Forbeck still listen to our podcast? He hates it so much, but he can't give it up. Yeah. Honestly, man, it's just turn it off. Yeah. Matt, this one's not for you, bud. Take a mental health day. Yeah. Uh, anyways, you are the cleric. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yup. Chris is the neural net simulating the cleric. <laughs> We're a dwarf cleric? That just doesn't click for me. I, I don't... Yeah, what? We, we get it, Chris. You're a computer with a set of limitations. Dwarfs have like a high constitution, low deck, so like they can get up there and tank, you know, which is good. I guess, but don't you want like a lot of wisdom? Not that dwarves can't be wise. Wow. But like... Wow. It is, it, is, it is almost the year of the Phantom 2020. And you're over here talking about racial prejudice against our dwarven brothers and sisters. In Chris's defense, he's just a neural network. <laughs> it's 2040. Phantom is 2040. I fucked up. It's not a good joke. <laughs> is Phantom 2040? Yeah. Uh, well, it's like the cartoon was Phantom 2040. The original one is like Phantom 1940. What is his, what are his, what is the Phantom's powers? So you know how Zorro, but he's white. <laughs> okay. Stabbing then. is <laughs> Stabbing and then like a, a, a complex legend based on sort of like uh, misidentification and like, uh, you know, m- mythologized hero stuff. I think okay. a certain amount of like Batman level lurking proficiency, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's pretty good at just kind of showing up in shadows, but it's not exactly a superpower. It's just a proclivity. Oh, he's, not, he's not the shadow. He is not Lamont Cranston, the shadow. I put all of my points into sneak. Is that going to be a problem for the party? <laughs> well, <laughs> you're a dwarf cleric, Chris. Yeah. It's a, dwar- a dwarf cleric who's put all of his points into sneak. <laughs> Heal us. I, I can't picture what a dwarf 
would wear to sneak. Like a form fit, like a union suit, a dwarf would end up looking like a Dan DeVito penguin. Like pretty much a dwarf in like the Catwoman suit, right? Mm. It's just weird. Uh, You guys know that episode of It's Always Sunny where Dan DeVito pulls his way out of a couch fully oiled? (laughs) Kind of, yeah, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's my mental image there. Just well-oiled, slippery podcast got so fucking erotic like so quickly so quickly erotic that's the ace ventura 2 thing it's just that much worse because it's Danny devito right yeah yeah pretty much yeah or better depends on which camp you're in do you guys want to talk about D or dwarf clerics or being into the jungle or should we just read this book welcome to booze your own adventure a danny devito fan cast yeah an erotic uh, asmr danny devito podcast uh write that down for potential yeah hang on i got it. spinoff ideas what would you call it uh, Let's just let that one percolate in the back while we start reading this book, maybe. Wait, guys, I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay. Percolate in the back. The erotic ASMR <laughs> Dan Vito podcast. It's so catchy. It's, it's very gross. All right, I'm going to read this book. Please do. <clears throat> halt, adventurer, and read these words before you proceed. You are about to embark on a journey to where only you could possibly say. Boise. It's Disneyland. Poughkeepsie. Uh, to my grandparents' house. Cuyahoga. An airplane hangar. It is not a journey like any you have been on before. Oh, I've been to all those places before. <laughs> if only you had listened instead of jumping in. Well, you said only I could possibly say. And so mm-hmm. I said. Here we go. Here we go. This is a journey for a leader, a true hero. One who is not afraid to converse with giants, explore the dark and dangerous jungle, or face the undead. So you may want to close this book until you find one. Boom, roasted. Yeah, coward. Give this book to your more adventurous friends. Yeah, twig. If you're reading this book, you're not qualified to be the hero of this book. Yeah. If this doesn't sound like you, turn back now and forget you ever came this way. But if this whiff of adventure has whet your appetite... Yeah, I think this is in the last book. Yeah, it's very good. Then forward with you, my friend, and good luck. That's a very personable narrator. Yeah, Yeah, he's a nice guy. Boy, Ian, these scans really did not... What am I looking at on page one? It's like a glossy page. I don't... There's a stegosaurus, I think. It looks like you scanned this by rubbing up, like, silly putty up against it. <laughs> Here's the thing. They are glossy pages. This is a book with words in it, and it's, like, got magazine pages. So my No, no, no. I, I know from the last two times that I scanned them. That's right, listener. If you're looking for a high-quality product that combines your love of Dungeons & Dragons, teen fiction, and words... Pick up Into the Jungle by Matt Forbeck. I mean, it's got dope art. I'm sorry that the art looks like shit, because it's dope art. Hey, I Matt can... Forbeck, go fuck yourself. No, 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 we're, we're trying to get that guest spot. Are we trying to get a guest spot, or are we trying to get ad revenue? Because we can't just go about handing out endorsements and then expect people to pay for them later. Shit. The first one's free. I think that's, you know, and then Matt Forbeck wants to come back on, give us a little cheddar. All right, I'm going to start reading this book. That's fair. After several stomach-churning weeks at sea, aboard a sloop known as the Brazen Pegasus, you finally arrive at Port Nianzaru on the northern shore of the distant continent of Cholt. What? God, that's a lot to unpack in one sentence. Yeah, man. It's fucking Exposition City up in here. Cholt. Despite the assurances of Captain Ortome, a wily gnome with a shady past... <laughs> you assume, <laughs> racistly? Yeah. Hee-hee. That's such the, the classic, like, uh, first-session D&D int- character introductions, right? Uh, I'm going to be playing Captain Ortome. I'm a, a wily gnome with a, a, a shady past. <laughs> Maybe you guys will get to find out a little bit about it as the game goes on. I, don't know. Yeah. I fucking hate 
<laughs> this game that I love. Anyway. Or maybe we won't. Illusionist. Thanks, Alex, for yeah. rolling that character. Yeah. I poison I poison him. Yeah. My barbarian chops off Captain Ordemay's head. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. Twelve damage in one shot. Okay, you're done. I found his secrets. He's full of blood. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have guessed? Dwarves, in your opinion, because you're a dwarf, mm. were never meant to travel by sea, and you had never expected life as a cleric to ever put you upon the water. You spent most of the trip praying to Oh boy. Clangadin Silverbeard. Clangadin Silverbeard. The dwarf god of honorable battle to whom you've dedicated your life, hoping that he might be able to deliver you from your seasickness, but that never happened. So, to be clear, we spent the entire voyage trying to cast spells to cure seasickness, and mm-hmm. that didn't take. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not a very good cleric. We're a very bad cleric. Yeah. yeah. That should definitely be a cantrip. <laughs> The rest of the time you spent cursing the Harpers, the semi-secret religious organization you work for. Oh my god, there's so much. Yeah. It was at their command that you set out for Chult. Chult. Now, here you are, and you have a mission. To find Artis Simber and the Ring of Winter. Okay, is it a real ring? Is it an organization? Are those two different people? Uh-huh. Is Artis Simber and the Ring of Winter a band? Yeah, exactly, right? That's a pretty good uh, D&D-themed band. God, it would be. Jesus. Simber is a legendary member, hey, of the Harpers. He's gone missing, though, along with his ring, a powerful artifact that, if it fell into the wrong hands, could be used to plunge the world into an eternal winter. (laughs) You cannot let this happen! And they sent you, the least competent dwarf cleric, on a boat. Yeah. By yourself? Is anybody coming with you? Uh, My experience with these books is not really. Yeah. You stagger down the gangplank from the brazen Pegasus and fall to your knees on the first patch of solid land you can find. You kiss it unashamedly and then offer up prayers of gratitude to Klangadadin for delivering you there alive. Hail and well met, good fellow, a bushy-bearded man says as he helps you to your feet. My name is Volo Thamp Getarm, and you can call me Volo. I write guidebooks for a living, and my publisher... Time Waterdeep Limited sent me here on a tour to help promote my latest tome, Volo's Guide to Monsters. I'm here on business. <laughs> I really need someone to guide me. Good call. Volo gives you a jolly slap on the back. You just head a little further into town. I can introduce you to a trusted pair I know. Kawasha is a local druid who works closely with a veggie pygmy named Kubalui. Kawasha, Kawasha, Kawasha. What's a what's a veggie pygmy? I really, I don't actually know. I think they're like tiny plant people. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Or are they tiny people who only eat plants? No, those are vegetarians. Oh, they only eat pygmies. Feel free to hire someone else, of course, or leg it out there into the jungle on your own. Chult Chult. is an amazing land of adventure, and it awaits. Uh, Find your own guide, turn to page six. Head into the jungle on your own, turn to page nine. Hire Kawasha and Koop Louie, turn to page 17. Gonna need to see what that veggie pygmy's all about. Uh, I was kind of hoping we hire our own guide. Yeah? Uh, Find your own guides. We need (laughs) a fighter, maybe like a a paladin. Okay, I just scrolled ahead and looked at a veggie pygmy. It's the guy that looks like uh, Abe from Abe's Odyssey. Okay. So my, my, my curiosity is satisfied, and now we can go to page six. 
You gather your meager belongings into your pack and head into town. You don't get too far before you are approached by two fellows, a handsome man with a dusky skin and a tubby pale halfling. You seem to be looking for something, the man says with an easy smile. Hold on. Hold on. Just checking. Uh, yeah, our boy Volo had an easy smile. So fucking <laughs> wide and easy smile, said Volo a page ago. Easy smile, says the man. It's a friendly town. What can you say? Yeah. Everyone smiles so easy. We're just the people to help you find it. My name is Farul, and this is my stalwart companion, Ja Rule. <laughs> I mean, Gondolo. His name is Gondolo. Gondolo! No one knows the jungles of Cholt. Cholt. Better than we do. For some reason, they strike you as experienced people. Perhaps it's because you're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> you're still boat sick. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you see eight of them, and you think, strength in numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps it's because of the Triceratops that Gondolo is leading around behind him on a leash. Hmm. The idea of using an armored, three-horned monstrosity like that as a pack animal thrills you. <laughs> you sometimes worry that the vow of celibacy is making you weird. <laughs> but, no, that's probably not true. Hey, you're a lizard. I'm wearing scale mail. Let's see what happens. As Farul stuffs your payments into his purse, he leans in and speaks to you in a confidential tone. We could head straight off into the wild, of course, but I can see that you're a sophisticated dwarf. What would you say to attending the dinosaur races first? What? Race is just a social construct. (laughs) (laughs) They are not to be missed, Gondolo (laughs) says with a firm nod. You have nothing of the kind back on the Sword Coast, I'm certain. Plus, we have a hot tip on a sure thing in the third race. Oh, God, we hired degenerate gambler uh, gambling ad- addicts. Headed to the jungle, page 12. Off to the races. Turn to page 14. I think the title of the book is Into the Jungle. Yeah, fuck the races. Dinosaur races. Uh, I mean... You get to race dinosaurs. Do you think we get to participate, or is this sort of like a uh, Olympus, a watch out for the time cave? Spectate your own adventure? Yeah, I think we're going to be watching somebody else have adventures when we could be casting spells in the forest. All right, if you say so, if you want to follow fucking Rosencrantz and Guildenstern into the jungle, that is your prerogative. I just can't see the benefit in either going, going into the jungle with more money in our pocket or going into the jungle with them surly because they lost all the money we just paid them. What if we meet some of them jungle merchants? You know how when people are trekking through the Amazon, they frequently run into jungle merchants? I am familiar with how you can be in like a Resident Evil zombie city and somebody will just open their robe for you to buy guns from. What are you buying? I'll buy it at a high price. <laughs> you got a good price for you, stranger. Uh, all right, so we're going to the jungle? Yeah. You insist, like a couple of jackasses, on being professional and leaving Portney and Zaru right away instead of going to the dope-ass fucking dinosaur races... Mark, this, this... Anyway, into the jungle it is, Farul says, doing his best to mask his disappointment. They strap your pack on top of their triceratops, which is named Zongo, and set out. Zongo! Zongo calm. Huh. You bring up the rear, doing your best not to step in the messes Zongo leaves in his wake. They're mean poop. Yeah, all he does is poop. You're like, what a majestic dinosaur. Ah, uh, he shits. And then you, uh, you put your hands in his shit and figure out that they're eating these, uh, these elderberries that aren't supposed to be growing in this tropical climate. Yeah, why would you put those there, John Hammond, you idiot? 
The sun sets fast in the jungle, and you ask your guides to set up camp for the night. Right? Nope. Right. Farul looks to Gondolo. Did you remember to pack our camping gear? I thought you had packed it all, the halfling says with a shrug. Tomorrow, once you get back to town, you plan to find yourself better guides. As you're trying to sleep, you hear a horrible hooting sound out of the darkness beyond the campfire. I wonder if it's an owlbear. And you leap to your feet. Your scared, nope, your sacred hammer in your hand. (laughs) Well. Your scared hammer is your penis, and it is flaccid. (laughs) (laughs) Gods, Farul says, trembling. That's the call of the mighty gorillan. The what? Massive four-armed white-furred gorillas that have developed a distinct taste for meat. So you know all of that, but you didn't think to pack a fucking tent. He thought Gondolo had it. Yeah. The hooting grows louder, and now you can hear it coming from at least three directions at once, for a total of twelve arms. (laughs) What do we do? Gondolo asks, whimpering. You see three sets of eyes glittering back at you from the darkness. Run, you tell Farul and Gondolo as you ready your hammer for what will be your final battle. Run. The end. Okay, so these guys suck. These guys suck. Let's go be friends with Groot and his friend, the were-pygmy. Yeah, Volo Thar- Gidarm would never uh, steer us wrong. Let's, let's yeah. pick him up. Kawasha let's... and Koopa Louie. At your request, Volo takes you to the guides he mentioned and introduces you. This is Kawasha, he says. The best guide in all Chult. Chult. He and his stalwart companion, Koopa Louie, can take care of you from here. Koopa Waluigi? Ooh. Koopa, Louie, Lou, Koopa, Koopa, King Koopa, Lou, Bega, Lou, Bega, Mambo number five. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Mark's been taken by the <laughs> darkness. I am now a neural network poorly simulating Mark. I'm, <laughs> I'm the only one left and no one will take, no one will definitely take my brains because I won't be a robot. No way, no how. Pretty cool idea for a podcast. Ian and a couple of neural nets who are meant to simulate his former podcast hosts. I'm just saying. Oh my God. Is this, is this how you guys reveal to me that this is what's been going on the whole time? Yeah. You've passed the Turing test, Mark. Chris, Chris would never have to eat. It wouldn't make, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Or maybe that's exactly what a robot would do to convince you that it's human. Oh my God. Who'd have thought that goofing on Choose Your Own Adventure books is how he would defeat, defeat the race of alien bug people. Yeah, I didn't even know that it was a, like an actual bomb. I thought it was a simulation. Kawasha is a local man, tall and dark, with Fuck an off. easy smile. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Matt, Matt Forbeck, we demand explanations. Koopa Louie is nothing you've ever seen. The size and shape of a halfling, but seemingly made entirely of green mold yes. with an easy smile. He's got an easy smile. He doesn't he say a word, but he and Kawasha communicate smile. using hand signals and easy smiling. <laughs> Happy to help any who come to our oh, no, land, Mark, especially a cleric it's, like yourself. I think, I think he's going to be a main character. I think we probably got to get him a voice that's not you just singing. <laughs> give him what if you give him a fun accent. What if, uh, what if, what if Kawasha is from Brooklyn? Weirdly enough, I was going to say Harvey Keitel and Taxi Driver. So that's kind of, I mean. That, that's in New York. Yeah. Happy to help any who come to our land, especially a cleric like yourself. Did I get it? That's good. I'm not yeah. sure, but I like it. It's, it's, distinct. Some, it's, it's something. It's a clear delivery. Kawasha says, recognizing the amulets around your neck as he offers you his hand in greeting. Koopa Louie pounds the end of his spear on the ground in agreement. With what you assume is agreement, causing little puffs of spores to rise from his skin. God, I love Koopa Louie. 
Koopa Louie is the new Mykonid, right? Yeah, he's just all yeah. fungus. Yeah, he's a fungus who produces spores that take over your brain and turn you into... Oh, wait, we probably shouldn't like Koopa Louie. I love Koopa Louie. It might be the spores talking. We don't have a choice. Every time I think about not loving Koopa Louie, uh, every nerve in my body catches on fire. Yeah, it really hurts when I don't want to love Koopa Louie. He's so cute. He's so easy to love. It's like all my nerves just go Koopa Louie. See, that's why he's so good. Kawasha notices the uneasy glance. You're only allowed to do easy glances in Chult. Chult. You give his friends and bronze his smile in what you assume is meant to be reassurance. Okay, so we easily interpret the pounding a spear on the ground as agreement, but we assume that a broad smile is meant to be reassurance. <laughs> We're, are we like racist against this mold character? Because I love Koopa Louie. Maybe we grew up raised by wolves and were bad at reading human emotions, but oh, really yeah. good at woodland creatures. Yeah, that's probably right. Don't worry, he says. The mold that animates Vegapigmeats like my friendly weed here isn't contagious. That's exactly what we were worried about. Thank you for the clarification, Kawasha. Despite your unease, you hire the pair, and the three of you immediately set out for Fort Bellowarian, a short journey to the north. It's run by these flaming Fist mercenaries. Cats, capital F, capital F, not a weird D&D slang. <laughs> it's just a weird D&D proper noun, <laughs> uh, Kawasha explains. They claim control over the territory you want to explore, and all adventurers need to purchase a charter from them to have permission to wander about Chult. Chult. See, this is information we needed to know earlier, and these, the guys we had before didn't even have a fucking tent. So, I feel better with these people. We could have been gambling magnates. <laughs> true, true, true. They had their own triceratops. They did. Koopa Louie draws a thin finger across his throat. Yes. In what you assume is agreement. Yeah. Oh, an easy finger across his throat. <laughs> Uh, Easy Finger, another band name. <laughs> Gross. Ugh. That sounds like extortion. Then yet Ia's are on right, Kawasha says. Welcome to Chult. Chult. Ian has been replaced by a keyboard button. Uh-oh, you guys found out my secret. I'm a soundboard. You keep reading this book, I'm a soundboard. Boom. Hey. Suck on that, Forbeck. <laughs> but please write us into your next novel. <laughs> what if we are, what if we're written into the next Matt Forbeck novel, but we are like the people who want to bet on dinosaur racing? Oh, yeah, we're just like three trolls that uh, get drunk and then fall asleep. <laughs> you go looking for adventurers, but you find like three real sleepy looking uh, older gentlemen. What if it's like uh, it's another classic D&D campaign um, against the giants mm-hmm. and the, the title card says you are the podcaster. And you get there and you make it about a page before you die, no matter what you do, because you're a podcaster, not a person with useful skills. Yeah, you can't hold to a schedule. You can't, like, set up business arrangements. Can't throw fireballs. Yeah, can't heal. You can't get Matt Forbeck to come on your fucking show. Come on, Forbeck. Come on, Forbeck. What do you have going on? We can help you with the next book. We got so many ideas. Did you hear our jokes? Look, we schedule, like, three people, you know kind of weekly we could we can rope you in we're very good at scheduling hey matt are you in the greater new york or atlanta areas you can just come hang out at our house we'll we'll cook you a supper that'd be uh that'd be quite the turn of events if this gets back to matt forbeck i want for nothing more <laughs> <laughs> hey listeners if you know matt forbeck and also you think he's cool and wouldn't just turn us over to wizards of the coast and have our podcast shut down <laughs> yeah please, please think about that part very hard yeah. before you give him our request Anyway, but I'm not here to 
Loot Tombs, you say? I'm just looking for one person. Loot Tombs could be the lead singer of like a Loot Tombs and the Triceratops. Resigned to the unfairness of the situation, you follow Kawash's guidance and make your way to Fort Bellowarian. There you find Commander Liara Porter, who agrees to sell you a charter at a hefty price. That's just an advance for us, Liara tells you. It pays for the first part of one half of all the treasure you haul out in the jungle. You almost choke at the way she's trying to rob you and decide not to tell her there's no way she can have half of the only treasure you care about, the Ring of Winter. She could if she cuts it like along, you know what I mean? Like along the width of the ring, then there's like two rings. Or she could do like a timeshare situation. Yeah. You get the ring on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. She gets the ring for eternal winter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next day, well rested and with charter in hand, you take off into the jungle to look for Artis Simber. Kawasha lays out your options for you. There are two ways to head out from here. We can either march toward Camp Righteous or toward Kir Sabal. You give him a blank look. <laughs> yeah, that's an, fair. An easy blank look. Yeah. Uh, and he explains your options further. Camp Righteous is run by the Order of the Gauntlet, a group of Templars who see it as their holy mission to rid the world of the scourge of the undead. Uh, Kir Sabal to the southeast. It's an ancient monastery run by a tribe of Erekakra, a kind of... Bird people with heads like eagles? Bird people, bird people, bird people. Koopa Louie stares straight at you with eager, unblinking eyes. As eyes. Eyes are in quotations because they're just lumps of mold. It's your call, boss. Which way do you want to go? Head for Camp Righteous? Head for Kier Sabal? Sounds like uh, Ian is voting Kier Sabal. Well, I, yeah. only, only because like we said out loud that uh, the undead's not our problem. So I think if we go toward the undead, like we'll have a cool zombie fight, but we're not going to get... Uh, Ar- 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 Arcturus Minsk and the Sons of the Confederacy or whatever his name is. Hey, Starcraft, week two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm down with Kirsten Ball also because like, I think we've done zombie things before yeah. in, in episodes of this podcast. They've been okay, but never have we recaptured the magic of flying like a with on the wings of an angel bird. Oh my right? God, we might get back to on the wings of an angel bird. Also, I want to hear Mark's bird person voice. I was okay. about to say like, uh, that's uh, I'm uh, unanimously in favor of Kirsa Ball because I want to hear Mark talk like a bird person. Over the course of the days that it takes you to carve your way through the jungle there, you come to respect your guides. They may not be able to bring you directly to Arta Simber or win you a shit ton of money at the fucking dinosaur races with yeah. their goddamn Triceratops. Well, they weren't going to race their Triceratops. No, yeah, they were just saying that their friend had a Triceratops. But they're willing to give your quest their all. One day, as dusk is falling over the jungle, you come upon a clearing that allows you to see through the thick canopy overhead. As you gaze up into the darkening sky, you spy a 300-foot-tall tower of rock in the distance. While it seems to have been naturally formed... Its narrow faces fall away almost straight down from its peak. Why would you think that it's naturally formed then? It says uh, naturally essenced on the bottle. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. No artificial. Like LaCroix. Yeah. Innocent. You see the word innocent shows up on that can? I, I know that we've, we've referenced LaCroix a lot, but... I think White Claw mostly. Now, there's, there's a, I would say there's been a non-trivial amount of, uh, of LaCroix chat. Uh, but Mark, you said last time that you have a refrigerator at work that's full of LaCroix. That's accurate. That's fantastic. I love that idea. I love it a lot. It's fantastic. I go to there every morning and I get uh, whatever flavor strikes my fancy. I pop it open and I have it for my meal square. Meal squares, the sponsors of Boost Your Own Adventure. Yeah. Meal squares is definitely looking to branch out. Uh, Their marketing practically writes itself. 
Meal squares. It's like food. <laughs> Meal squares. It's square. Meal squares. Fit in your pocket. What else do you want? Eat it. Meal squares. Eating is not supposed to be fun. Just <laughs> eat it already. <laughs> Meal squares. Sometimes depression hits hard. <laughs> meal squares. Everyone will get these jokes because everyone is so familiar with meal squares. I don't know. I think if there's going to be a population of people who know about meal like 100% of the podcasters on this podcast know about meal squares. Yeah, I mean, to the extent that our audience overlaps with people who I talk to, which I think it does a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably these jokes might land for someone. <laughs> the last time I ate a meal square, somebody came into my classroom in the middle of it to talk to me, and I did not... Uh, I was not able to consume the requisite amount of fluid to process the meal square. And I spent the next 10 minutes like making up for that mistake, like just trying to drink water, gagging, cough it. Yeah, there was like it felt like there was a grain, like a meal square particle trapped and I couldn't get it out. What is that? You ask. It's known as fire finger. Kawasha says. Fire finger. (laughs) Word is that such signal towers once dotted the land of Chult, Chult. Make, making it easy for people who guarded it to communicate with one another over long distances. If what you wanted to say was, look, the tower is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> there we got a lot of really good messages back in the day. Stuff like, the tower is on fire. We've still got this tower. <laughs> Don't worry. It's still here. This way to the tower and other useful messages. <laughs> Most of the tablets were knocked over or crumbled away long ago. As far as I know, this is the only one left. You know, from the fires. <laughs> yeah, I can tell because the fire's always on. All the other ones burned down for mysterious reasons. Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. We just set a fire. You know, it, it's, uh, it's naturally occurring, but we hollowed it out and filled it with dynamite. <laughs> for extra support, because dynamite's very rigid. It's a 300-foot tall tower, and you filled it with dynamite? A tip to the tip top. It took us years, and then uh, they, just, they just burned down. This is what happened to Pangea. Yeah, the tectonic forces. Then who keeps the fire lit? Kawasha frowns. That's the work of a tribe of terror folk, flying dinosaur people, who have taken over Firefinger. They become a plague upon this land. Except for that they keep the fire. Why are you being such an asshole, Kawasha? It's, it's like this, Ian. They, they like to swoop down and grab the victims, carrying them high into the sky, and then drop them to their doom. Oh, okay. Well, that tracks. They sound like assholes. Used to be that was a union job. These fucking terror folk came in, ruined everything Now people like me gotta schlep you assholes around the jungle just to make a living You think I wanted to be a fucking TNT Uber driver? (laughs) You shudder at the thought And as you peer at the tower, a horrible cry echoes over the land You set your guys in horror as the cry grows louder The flying V is coming right for you Koopa Louie stabs a finger toward a patch of sky, and when you look up, you spy a flock of terra folk winging their way toward you. I like, I, I picture Koopa Louie like filled with the rage of a thousand suns, just jabbing his tiny mold finger at the sky at these assholes. The sky cries out in pain. Yeah. <laughs> they have long, pointed heads, and their leathery wings stretch wide to catch the air beneath them. They're moving your way fast. Koopa Louie readies his spear to hurl at the creatures, but Kawasha yeah. gestures at him to lower it. Koopa Louie is fucking ride or die. Yeah. I don't Koopa- appreciate that. <laughs> Koopa Louie lives to kill, is what it is. We can try to fight them if you like, Kawasha says. Were Koopa Louie and I here alone, though, we would never attempt it. Well, Koopa Louie would 
You can't stop that <laughs> motherfucker. He's facing a fucking freight train over here, Koopa Louie. I'd head for the fucking hills, though, while Koopa Louie's getting devoured by these terror folk. Koopa Louie wants to kill the fucking T-Rex. Not, like, just by shoot, hitting it in the eye, like, really, with a well-placed shot. He just stabbed the motherfucker 10,000 times. It was yeah. insane. He you dove mu- into its mouth and tore its way out with a spear <laughs> from the inside. <laughs> you mush him, he comes right back. He's unkillable. Koopa Louie, he's a murder machine. But me, I'm made out of human flesh. It would be simpler to lose ourselves in the jungle, either to the east or beneath the canopies where such flyers are loath to follow. But this is your mission, and I've been talking for, like, 90 seconds now, and they're probably upon us. Yeah. So we'll follow your lead. What will it be? Head east into the jungle, page 31. Fight the terror folk, page 33. Head south into the jungle, page 36. Mm, let's, not, let's not fight them. Well, our dwarf battle god, yeah, couldn't lick seasickness. Yeah, let's not fight them. So... Yeah, no. Let, let's run. Uh, Were we headed east already toward Kirsahal? From the map of Chult that I have sitting beside me right Chult. now, uh, I'm going to say it's mostly south. Mark, you say map of Chult. Do you mean uh-huh. literally you have you brought out like a guidebook that has a map of Chult? Hold on a second. Are we going to wait for 45 seconds for the siren to go by? Or are you... No, can you hear me unfurling the map? I heard, yes. It's, it's, like a, it's like just a standalone map. Yeah, it's a giant, big-ass map. And here I'm looking at it. Uh, Kirsabal, it's like almost directly south from Fort Belowarian. Is there somewhere on that map? Oh, wait, where's the finger? Let's navigate. Where's the Firefinger? Oh, yeah, good call, good call. We're at Firefinger right now. Firefinger. Yeah, it's, it's definitely way more south from Firefinger than it is east. Then so it is a little south. bit east. Let's go south and see if this plays out. Forbeck, this better play out. Don't fuck us here, Forbeck. Don't fuck us, Forbeck. Forbecker or for worse? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's the sequel to Becker. <laughs> I thought the good place was the sequel to Becker. South, you shout at Kawasha and Kupalui, and your guides immediately spin that way and dive into the jungle's thick underbrush. From behind you come the frustrated cries of the terra folk as they swoop into the cleaning. Nope, as they swoop into the clearing where you just stood. Unable to set up a proper camp for the night, you and your guides hunker down in a tight clump of bamboo. It prevents any larger predators from getting to you, although it doesn't keep away a single insect. No, all the single insects are looking to mingle. All the single insects! All (laughs) the single insects. (laughs) That's a Beyonce joke. Now put your hands up and then slap them quickly back onto your skin to hit these fucking insects. (laughs) I was trying to figure out what the insect version of hands is. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. legs, Is it feet? It's just legs, yeah. No, legs end in something. They end in feet. That's true for humans, right? A hand is not equivalent. Like, that's we're looking for the terminal digit. Uh, I guess so. We're looking for whatever insects would raise into the air as like a put your hands in the air kind of motion. So like, you know? like, what's the end of a stick? What is the terminal digit of a stick? Twig. Well, it's not a stick. Okay, how about this, y'all? Uh, looking at this grasshopper anatomy diagram. Twigs me, mate. Looks like it's called a claw. To put your claws up. Yeah, it, it tracks syllable count with hand as well. I was thinking more mosquitoes, but I suppose they probably have like claws in the end or some shit. Do mosquitoes have feet? The force. Uh, it's called a foreleg, <laughs> apparently. Oh my god, don't look up do mosquitoes have feet. The uh, first thing that happens is you see a picture of mosquitoes covering these, this person's feet. Ah, ah, no. When you finally emerge from beneath the jungle canopy, the terror folk seem to have given up on chasing you. However, you find yourself faced with a massive wall of thorns at least 20 feet tall. Are dwarves good at climbing? This is Dungrunglung. 
Kawasha informs you. <laughs> I love that. I love that sound. One more, Mark, can you give me that one more time? This is Dungrung Lung. Kawasha informs you, home of the Grungs. <laughs> Humanoid versions of poison frogs. Welcome to Drung Grung Lung, home of the Grungs. May I take your order? Uh, y'all have a Grung and uh, two Drung Lungs and... Uh... You know, let me, get, uh, let me get that poison that makes me just trip fucking balls. One grung sauce coming up. Yeah, did you want that? Uh, did you want it on your drunk lungs or just on the grungs? <laughs> on the side, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Like you're gonna save any calories. Let me get a thigh and a grung stick. Grung stick's pretty good, Mark. That's a very good. That's awesome. Uh, I probably should have said dung stick, though. No, maybe not. I don't know. That's pretty gross. Yeah, dung stick's gross. Grung stick's fun. The hu- <laughs> dung stick gross. <laughs> grung stick fun dunk stick gross grung stick fun dunk stick gross grung stick fun you are the barbarian <laughs> the uh the amount of humanity in the drawing of this creature's hands is uncanny it's like that sonic trailer all over again right <laughs> it's, it's very unsettling yeah <laughs> it's got those really human teeth oh man are they friendly much more so than the terror folk kawasha says with a wide grin a wide easy grin and they might have seen your artist Simba. To ask them, we'll have to make our way through the giant maze they've constructed out of this horrible thorny hedge. Gr- Grungadin is also a maze? Gr- Grungadin. Grungadin is uh, that's Grung- a different thing. Grungadin is our god. Yeah. Pluplopopleen. When you finally reach its exit, you see that the maze wall surrounds a small lake lined with reed huts. There's an island in the middle of the lake, or Raka. On which sits a 60-foot-tall shrine of a giant frog. What was that one called? Tetraka. Tetna, uh, the fucking little... They had, the huts had names. Archipods. Oh, fuck, yeah, they did. Ah, well. I've, I really want to remember it. Squamble? No. <laughs> Squamble? Scooble? Sporbing. Plow plooper prawn. Oh, man. Oh, boy. All right. I don't want to, like, feed into this uh, trend of laughing at our own jokes, but Plopooperon is a very funny word. Plopooperon? He was like a fish man or something? It's called Plopooperine? Plopooperon? No, Plopooperine is that song from the 90s. Don't let the days go by. Plopooperon. I wish, uh, yeah, we got to find that book and look it up again. Uh, (sighs) Hang on, I'll bring it up on my phone. I'll just listen to that with my other ear. No, don't do, please don't do that. Do not do that. (laughs) I literally only know that one, like, line of that song from the, uh, now that's what I call Alternative Rock 17 or whatever ad that played on Nickelodeon 10 million times. As soon as you step into the village, several frog-like humanoids with brightly colored skin, you've already forgotten their names, I guess. Grungs. Grungalungs. And gigantic eyes approach you. They are short and gangly, with long limbs and sticky fingers and easy smiles. Also a good album. And their skin glistens in the tropical sun. Glistenerine. Glistenerine. (laughs) Short bows are strung across their backs, and they carry sharp knives in their hands that drip with some noxious poison. Why would you just carry like brandish a dagger everywhere you go inside of your own city 
These are some rough customers, these grungalungs. Greetings, strangers. A regal gold-skinned grung shouts as he emerges from the shrine. Perfect. I shall come here to drive away the undead who plague our land. It's undead all over this fucking place. Yeah, it really is. Refuse to help. Page 50. Lend a hand. Page 54. Uh, as much as being a dick is always funny, we are kind of like, as a cleric, this is our whole deal, right? Yeah, and as a person who sucks at combat, we're probably not going to be able to defeat eight heavily armed frog people. Yeah, and I want them to be my friends. Of course we will help you, you tell the Golden Grung. Any soul stalwart enough to stand against the evils of the undead? Eight friends of Clagdaden and his faithful... What is that word supposed to be? It probably are, Mark, because you need a verb in there. No, Ark. <laughs> uh, any evils of uh, the undead, Ark friends of Clagdaden. Eight. Eight is definitely a verb. <laughs> it, any no, souls... Yeah, okay, good point, good point, good point, good point. Uh, it, a verb that makes sense, though. Okay, well, touche. Uh, any souls are friends of Clagdaden. Then prove your faith. The Golden Grung shouts... At a gesture from him, a secret door in the thorn maze swings wide, and a handful of zombies that had been trapped inside surge out. So they weren't really a threat. We're just killing their captive pets. That's like a test, yeah. Yeah. Will you do war crimes with us? Uh, Oh, cool, we're doing war crimes again, huh, Chris? We're trying to work (laughs) war crimes into every podcast now. No, no, no. I'm not specifically mentioning any. As they get closer, you step in front of Kawasha and Koopalui and hold your blessed hammer high before you. It's fully erect. (laughs) (laughs) By the power of Greystone, I banish you from these people's home. The zombies cower before you and rush back into the maze where they just were a second ago, so you accomplish nothing. The grungs send up a cheer because they're idiots. Well, they're easily impressed. Yeah. And the golden grung favors you with a wide smile as he swims. A wide, easy smile. (laughs) As he swims elegantly from his island to the lake shore pretty cool right it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird flex like oh you've pa- you've passed my test now watch me do a swimming mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be one of those really like seductive movie swimmings right where like he dives into the water and then you know surfaces and his hair is all slicked back and mm-hmm. you see him push up and he's got a bunch of cleavage hanging out from his frog bikini yeah he uh, he unbuttons the top of it and then you wake up like as soon as it happens <laughs> It's two miles uh, from the island to the lakeshore, and you're just kind of sitting there, and you're kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> he was shouting so loud before. So, yeah, he's a really good shouter. That's his power. That's why his mouth is so big, like a frog. The Golden Grung introduces himself as King Grok, the leader yes. of the people of Dungrunglung, <laughs> which he named himself, and he's very proud of. <laughs> a wild cheer goes up among the Grungs, and they escort you forward to sit on the edge of the lake with King Grok. There, you finally have a quiet moment. You ask the grung leader about Artist Simber. Wait, wait, watch me do this cool flip first, and then you can ask me. King Grok gives you a sad shake of his sad head. I have not seen such a person as you describe. However, I will instruct our people to look for him and to report back with any news they might find. For the record, I don't want to hear any more shit about the unintelligibility of my British accent. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> Mark's is Mark's Frog King is suffering from a physical ailment. I think does he is he missing his lower jaw? You know what he's been he has like a just a dip. He's got like a <laughs> huge dip in his bottom gum. Well, he lost his jaw from the dip. Yeah, he lost his jaw from the dip. 
tastes so good, but quit, it's quit so bad. Quit vaping. I'm going to say, like, if this podcast has one message, it is quit vaping. Don't be a fool. Drop the jewel. <laughs> You're disappointed by this news, but you readily accept the king's offer of help. He now proceeds to talk in his voice some more. <laughs> Today is a day of celebration. He slaps his long-fingered hands together and flicks his yard-long tongue. Like, at us? <laughs> no, just, no just, just into the air. He, he sort of, like, cranes his neck back and he goes... <laughs> he eats a fly the, sm- the size of a cat. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, at which a dozen blue-skinned grungs come out to take you and your guides away to prepare for the feast. Huh. Is there a racial component to the hierarchy of grung society? You know there is. In D&D, anything's with different colors have oh. different social strata. Hmm. Oh, boy. Your new friends bathe you and pamper you in a way you've never experienced because Ooh. dwarves don't bathe. And we are... We have sworn a vow of chastity, so this is all new territory. I'm, I'm sorry about the erection. It's just You have no idea how little attention it normally gets. <laughs> Earlier today, I was going to fuck a triceratops. <laughs> so. If you had to describe your hammer, it's currently exalted. <laughs> your new friends bring you into the first floor of the shrine, a large single room, where you find King Groke waiting for you. The front part of the room is occupied by a pool of clear water lined with glowing fungi. Is this... Is there Barry White playing? Yeah, sensually. He just like, he bathed us, and now he's taking us into his special chamber with a, <sighs> with a hot tub in it. Such good and powerful friends. The king sits in the back of the room, in a basin of water raised ten feet off the floor, and in his signal, the feast begins. His signal is to clap his hands together and sort of crane his neck back, flick his tongue up into the air. I had the shrine built as a tribute to my beloved goddess Nang Nang. Says King Grook. Do you think she could possibly be anything but impressed by my efforts? Always rep the Nang Nang. <laughs> yeah, gotta rep the Nang Nang. Uh, bang bang that Nang Nang, am I right? Well, no, we don't bang bang the Nang Nang. She's our goddess. We, uh, we respectfully offer ourselves mm, to the I, Nang Nang. Uh, I read the adventure book. I have, an, I have an idea what's going on here. Yeah, you read some fan art. Mark's on that nasty, nasty net, that deviant art shit. (laughs) You agree that no one could resist such flattery, but when the king presses you for more details, you devour your food instead and decline to answer him with a full mouth. Yeah, that's that's a move. I feel that move. Maybe we were raised by feral fucking wolves. That's how you would avoid a conversation. You're like, oh, I gotta eat this food. Oh, it's gonna take me so long to eat this food. You yeah, might but, forget but, about... Uh, you're in the guy's house, and he's like, oh, man, my, isn't my living room great? And you're just gonna be like, I can't I answer that question. I don't know, I don't know, Chris, I don't know, Chris. No, no, I think you're in his house, and he says, "My, I would fuck my living room. Would you fuck my living room? <laughs> and then you're like, you're like, what can I put in my mouth for chips? Now it's chips time. <laughs> you know what? Uh, he, he's showing you a kindness, you know? Just... Yeah. Go yeah. for it, man, if that's, if that's what makes you happy. Unfortunately, that night, you learned that food that's good for grungs isn't always good for dwarves, especially when it's eaten raw. You die, clutching your belly and praying to Klangadadin for relief. The end. Who, again, does nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'll bet would happen? If we got injured, like physically, like, like got chopped, Klangadin would be like, oh yeah, no problem, I can heal that. The only thing I can't heal is your, like, constitution, like your stomach troubles. Constitution is the one thing dwarves are good at. Oh, not us. Yeah. Not, not our dwarf. Protection from poison is a second level abjuration. So that's... 
We're not going to have that. Level four? Yeah, we're not going to have that. Yep. I, it's Doesn't this suck, though, like, that we would die from somebody that wasn't trying to kill us? <laughs> Why did they send the guy who dies from, like, berries and seasickness on the adventure to s- get yeah. the ring that freezes the world? He's like, allergic to everything. Was the A team busy? Was the B team busy? Was the yeah. C team busy? <laughs> yeah. All the teams were busy. They just had this one guy. I think if there's one hero... That we can uh, agree on. It is Koopa Louie. I thought you were going to say Jesus. Not not in this book. There is no Christian God in this book. Well, there's only one God, and his name is God, and it's not Klingtididin, but we all know who Klingtididin really is. Am I well, right? but then who's Nang Nang, you know? Like, are we just going to shit all over our, our hospitable Glugadrungs? Oh, man, I just named the episode. What? Watch me whip. Watch me Nang Nang. <laughs> Oh boy. There it is. Yeah. Um I just want to I want I want to make it clear that I think Koopa Louie is probably the best character we've ever encountered. He was quick to want to take on those Terra folk even though Kawasha was like we would totally die. Yeah. yeah I like Koopa Louie cuz there's uh there's one of the scenes in these in the book that we didn't read uh where like you're like super outnumbered and Koopa Louie is just like, "Nah, man, come on. Take take it back." Take it back now, y'all. Two hops this time. Two nangs this time. Nang, nang. <laughs> Everybody, dung, grung, lung. Dung, grung, lung, dung, grung, lung, dung, grung, lung, We did this joke last week, though. Did we? Well, it's a good joke. <laughs> well, that about does it for this week's adventure in Chult. What's the, is it called Chult? It's Chult. Chult. Yeah, Chult. You nailed Chult. it. Chult. I did. We got, Chult. we got to Chult. We went through Chult. We Chulted. We Chulted. We came, we saw, we Chulted. A lot of good, lot of good treats in this book. What are our names? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> Why did that sound so menacing? Oh yeah, I was just saying we should probably like say our names. You're just trying to give him a cue. Oh right, thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh man, line. My natural, my natural reaction to hearing that whispered threat is, uh, <laughs> I'm Ian. I'm Chris. I'm Mark. We're all trapped in a simulation. And remember, until next time, always choose responsibly. He lost me at hit Willem Dafoe's penis with a hammer. That's where he lost me.